Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Life in Sport podcast. And we're joined by a ripper guest today. Um, he's actually, as I just mentioned him off recording, um, to him, he is and was on my 10 guests bucket list when I started the podcast back in 2019. He was part of the Queensland Origin Dynasty. His name is Ashley Harrison. Thank you for joining me. And how's your week been so far? Hi, CJ. No, thanks very much for having me on, mate. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't really get around and do too many of these things. So, you know, when you approach me and, I, and I've seen the, the type of quality you've interviewed in the past, I was more than honoured to jump on. So, um, yeah, no, thanks for having me first and foremost. And, um, yeah, really looking forward to the chat. No, thank you. I appreciate that. And thank you for taking the time out to look at the podcast. Not a lot of guests do. So that's I really do appreciate that. But this isn't about me. This podcast episode is about you. And obviously, every sporting career starts with the grassroots. So my first question is, what's your earliest memory of rugby league? Yeah, so I, uh, I sort of got brought up in a rugby league family. CJ, to be honest, my, my father played a bit of footy, you know, just Brisbane local grade. And Michael played played for Queensland as well, Glenn Harrison. So I didn't have much choice, to be honest. I was <laughs> started playing for the North Devils at, when I was probably four or five and Played a fair chunk of my rugby league at North Devils and then a little bit at, at North Aspley. And, and from there, I was sort of drafted into the, the Broncos system. So, um, yeah, I, I was always, you know, in that space. And, you know, when I probably turned around 13, 14, 15, I knew that's what I wanted to do and started to really concentrate on that. That's fair enough. Um, and obviously, growing up, everyone supports a team. What team did you follow growing up? Yeah, so so obviously being a Brisbane boy, I, I did love the Brisbane Broncos, but 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 also loved the Canberra Raiders. To be honest, I was um, okay. a little bit of a Canberra Raiders. I was sort of sat on the fence a little bit, to, to, to be fair, with those two teams. But uh, yeah, Bradley Clyde was my my favourite player early on in my career, yep. and then um, well, my early on in my childhood, and then as I got a little bit older, I went to Brad Fittler, and then you know moving a little bit more forward, it just become. Any any Queensland player that was able to pull the Maroons jersey on, so it sort of evolved a little bit yep. as I got older. But but that's pretty common, I think, with kids these days. Uh, one year they're following one team, and the next year they're following following another. So um, in a nutshell, that's pretty much how it rolled out. That's fair enough. And obviously, you just mentioned um, Brad Fittler, which kind of circles into one of the questions I've got for you, which is your NRL, NRL debut was in two thousand. A, a great year for the Broncos, 2000 grand final winner, and you were also part of that team on that day. Going up against Brad Fittler in the Roosters, was that sort of like a pinch yourself moment, first of all, playing in the grand final and also against, you know, a, one of your former favourite players as a kid? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was I was fortunate enough to play against Freddie earlier on in that year too. And, you know, as an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, just recently turned 19-year-old, it was a bit surreal, to be honest. And, um, yeah, to get an opportunity in the grand final was just, you know, something I can't even put words into. I mean, you know, it's a first year and then I realised like a, a, a dream come true type moment, you know. I didn't find out I was actually playing in the game until the team walk on the day. Um, oh, wow. Which made it a little bit more special and Wayne sort of tapped me on the shoulder and said, mate, get ready to play, you're playing. So I didn't wow. have too much time to think about it, but... But looking back now, it's um, you know definitely one of my fondest memories, and you know very thankful for the opportunity. Absolutely, and that also raises a great um, theory or, or question, sort of thing. Do you think that in hindsight you would have much rather preferred to find out on the day of rather than like 
teamless Tuesday sort of day because, you know, you'd, you would have stewed over and played the game 10,000 times over in your head before game day sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Wayne's, <laughs> Wayne's not, you know, one, one of, if not the best coach going around and, you know, for no reason, he's obviously got his, his way he sort of approaches things and, um, you know, personally, definitely. I mean, if I would have found out earlier in the week, I probably would have overplayed it in my head a few times and, um, yeah, you know, once he told me, it was just about pretty much packing my boots in my bag and away we went and, you know, lucky enough, we got the job done on the day. That's fair. That's fair enough. And obviously your time at the Broncos came to an end in 2002. You then headed to Souths, who had just been reinstated into the league. What was it like going from, you know, basically home, Brisbane for years, going down to a whole new state, a whole new, you could say, environment sort of thing? Yeah, I suppose at the time it was it was an opportunity, um, you know, and that's how I saw it. It was an opportunity to to go to Sydney and, and you know get out of my comfort zone a little bit um, and go to a team that had just you know recently been put back in the competition. So obviously going from the Brisbane Broncos, where you know had been established for a long time uh, and been successful in more recent terms, uh, to a team that was starting out was definitely a challenge, but. But in saying that, you know, I wouldn't have changed anything um, about my decision there. I went down there, had to grow up fairly quickly uh, in a big city. And, um, you know, I think in the end of the day, it was, uh, it was the making of me in a, in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And then, obviously, after your time at South, you went to Crosstown, arch rivals, Sydney Roosters. First of all, what was that like? And um, was there, did you cop a bit of backlash from South fans, like once the signing sort of thing was announced? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's well publicised. That's probably one thing you you shouldn't do in rugby league is is to go from South to the Roosters. But but in saying that, uh, I mean, I, I gave my all for South for three years, and absolutely, um, you, you know, the supporters and the staff were, I suppose, really appreciative of that. And um, again, it was you know, it was just about an opportunity to to go to a team at a time that. Um, was filled with players that, you know, I thought at that time that we could potentially play finals footy. Um, yep. It wasn't to be. Um, and, and it turned out I actually uh, ruptured my ACL at the end of that first season at the Roosters. So, um, you know, initially it was it was more looked at as an opportunity to, to I suppose, improve my football. And um, like I said, it wasn't meant to be in that instance. And, um, you know, I pretty much rehabbed the – the last year of my year at the Roosters and then got a really good opportunity to come back home and, and play in Queensland for the Gold Coast Titans. Absolutely. And that actually segues perfectly into my next question, which was you then moved up to the Titans, um, as you said, moved back up home to Queensland and also getting picked for Queensland um, State of Origin, which end up ended up becoming an absolute dynasty. First of all, what was it like, like a homecoming coming back to Queensland to play for the Titans and also being part of that um, Queensland State of Origin legacy? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, to come back home and be around family and close friends again was really important to me. I mean, had a great time in Sydney, both at South and um, the, the Sydney Roosters, you know, made a lot of good friends and lifelong friends at both of those clubs. Um, but but to come back to Queensland was really important for myself at the time and for, and for my football too. Um, I, I was able to get back and, and be conditioned by, you know, probably one of the best conditioners in the game in Billy Johnson at the Titans where, um, to to be honest, to turn me from, a you know, an everyday NRL player to a, you know, an origin Superstar. mainstay. 
pretty much well, yeah, pretty much in one preseason. So I've got a lot, lot to thank Billy for for that, and um, you know, his hard nosed approach to to his craft was what I really enjoyed, and um, you know, and to be part of that team was um, just something that you know I'll never forget. That's incredible because I'll never forget it being a fan of Queensland. Uh, during the decade of dominance, I was going right from primary school through to high school and it was great being based in New South Wales, um, deep in the heart of New South Wales as well and being, I think, one of four Queensland fans in my entire school. Coming to, coming to like going to school the day after State of Origin Series has been claimed, especially with those eight in a row, was Unlike any other experience, it was great because all the teachers would be wearing their blues kit and we'd be just rocking up our four Queensland jerseys. It was so good. Um, So on behalf of a, of a Queensland fan, thank you so much for that, you know, absolute decade of dominance. Uh, my next question is, obviously, a high-performance athlete such as a rugby league player needs a decompressor for, for mentally for, you know, away from the game. What was yours? Yeah, I, I suppose, you know, your focus is always rugby league and, and that had to be my focus for 15 years while I was playing but but away from the field I just love you know going to the beach and surfing and um, pretty much just relaxing uh, I used to love hanging out with you know my mates and going for a coffee and, and playing a little bit of golf here and there you know I wasn't I didn't try and complicate it too much I was pretty easily pleased when it comes to, to alternatives to footy but but in saying that you know you, you so much of your time is taken up with with playing rugby league at that level. And, um, you know, it's not just obviously playing and training. A lot more goes into it than that. And, you know, I was also, you know, able to do a, a finance degree as well while I was playing rugby league, which, you know, took my focus a, a little bit away from footy, which was good at times, but, but at the same time wasn't wasn't over, uh, overwhelming and, 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 you know, like it took my total uh, I suppose my total attention away from the game, but um, yeah, you know, when you're not playing, it's, it's good to get away and, and try to switch off. But but in saying that, it's pretty hard to do once you're full time gig. Yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. I can imagine trying to juggle all those sort of things is is almost borderline like insanity. And when you were growing up, obviously, as you said, rugby league household. Did you follow any other sports, or was it just only rugby league sort of thing? Yeah, I, I was. I followed all sports to be honest. And I appreciated any sport that I could I could watch on TV. I I didn't really watch too much else on on, on TV. I, I, I was a bit of a sports fanatic, to be honest. I'd, whatever was on, I was happy to watch. And um, you know, even even today, I, I like watching all codes of football. I, I like you know this time of year, it's more about the cricket and the tennis and and that type of thing. And then you know, I, I love watching the surfing as well. So um, yeah, bit of a sports fanatic, to be honest. That's awesome because very much the same. Um, I just, you know, basically if it has a ball and people punch it or kick it or throw it or whatever, I follow it. It's it's incredible. The same with you with cricket. I've been, I was actually watching the test this morning before we started recording and geez, Australia aren't doing too well today. They were at some point um, four for like 93 or something like that. It was just dismal. Um but this isn't about cricket. This is about your career. Your feet deserve a break, guys. And what better way to treat them right than with a new pair of thongs? And guys, Toey Thongs has you covered. No word of an actual lie. These thongs are the comfiest pairs I've ever, ever owned. Straight out of the package, soft as heck. You know, they come in single plugger and double, double plugger. I'm currently rocking the single pluggers. Um, yeah, guys, for just $30 per solo pair, 
and the more you buy, the cheaper they get. And who doesn't love cheap thongs, you know? They also offer a monthly subscription to receive a pair every month for six months. So if you're a thong fiend or just need a new pair, be sure to head to toeythongs.com. Use our code LIFEINSPORT15 for 15% off at checkout. And obviously, we've got some quick fire questions brought to you by Toey Thongs and called the Toey Thongs Quick Five. My first question is Apple or Android? Uh, oh, I'm an Apple man, to be honest. <laughs> nah, that's fair. I'm an Apple phone, but a Windows computer. Uh, how yeah, do you me, like... too. me too. Yeah? yeah. How me do you too. like your steak? Uh, absolutely medium rare. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I had a bloke the other day say medium well to well done, and it's just, it, it's, it's, oh, no thanks. Um, what's your favorite movie of all time? Uh, good question. Uh, probably. Of all time, I mean, there's so many good ones. There is. But uh, probably Gladiator is up there, to be honest. Gladiator, well, there's Gladiator. a sequel being made from what I've read. Apparently, it's yeah. Apparently, it's good. I haven't like it's still in the production, but apparently, it's going to be like really good. Yeah, it's it's, it's good, and um, also you know, an oldie was Shawshank Redemption. It was always that's up a, there as well. That's a winner, absolutely. Absolutely. Honestly, that's I would say that or um, Saving Private Ryan would be my favourite movies of all yeah. time. Yeah. Great films. Yep. Uh, what's your drink yeah. of choice, whether it's alcoholic or not? Uh, drink of choice would have to be, um, so we'll start with non-alcoholic to start with. Yep. Um, just sparkling water with a bit of fresh lemon or lime. And mm. um, yeah, I just, yeah, I'll keep it simple when it comes to alcohol. I'm just a... Uh, 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 Great Northern Super Crisp, man, to be honest. <laughs> okay, I thought maybe you'd be 4X, but Great Northern is just as good. Um, and final question for the quick five is obviously thongs or Crocs? <laughs> oh, I have this debate with my kids on a daily basis these days, but yeah, yeah you won't see me wearing any Crocs, man. I'm a, I'm a thong <laughs> man. <laughs> That's fair enough. Well, maybe I can tell you I have thongs to send you a pair because they are honestly... and. I don't care if I'm sponsored to say this, but they are so comfy, like more comfy than I expected. So I'll, I'll tee them up to send you a pair because they're up in That'd Queensland as well. Um, nice. my, my next question is, obviously, there's a lot of rule changes that have happened since your retirement. And there's actually a recent rule change as of, I think, yesterday regarding um, the dropouts in in particular. My, my question for you is, what are your thoughts on the rule changes since you retired? Um. Yeah, I suppose, you know, all these rule changes are, are made to, you know, provide betterment to the flow of the game and, and more for viewer satisfaction, I think. So, you know what, like, at the end of the day, I haven't minded the, the changes to, to the rules. Um, I'm not quite up to speed on the recent one, though. Okay, well, so, um, so the new happened. one is, so the new one is um, when it's a dropout, they've obviously, mm. some teams go the short the short dropout. If it fails to go 10 metres or goes out on the full, it's now a 10-metre, it's a now a play the ball on the 10-metre line, 10 in, for the team that was supposed to receive the ball. Okay, instead of a penalty in front, is that right? Yeah, in instead of a penalty in front. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, well, it's going to make it harder, I think, for the, yeah, it, it doesn't make it such a critical error, does it? Um, no. That short kickoff. And yeah, that's probably one thing I've had, I just can't get my head around is, those short kickoffs, I mean, you know, I suppose when I was playing, if anyone even thought about doing a short kickoff, <laughs> you'd, you'd get your licence to kick taken off you. But, you know, these days, obviously, you, 
the the guys put so much practice into it to yep. try and get it to land spot that you know they, those percentages have started to get a little bit bigger than they were in the past and you know I can I can understand that but um, yeah okay well all, all it does is is make the team probably you know attack from a bit of a worse I suppose area of the field than than they would have if they got a penalty in front yeah that's fair enough um pardon me my next question kind of goes in hand in hand with kind of the rule changes to an extent but you played an even amount of NRL with one ref on the field. Then they switched it to two refs. Obviously, now they're back to one ref. Which ref system did you prefer while you were playing? Oh, CJ, to be honest, I didn't really notice too much difference. I mean, Fair. yeah, if if anything, it you had two refs yelling out instructions. And made, for me, mate, all it was about was to get up and play the ball. And then when I was defending, get, get on side. So... When when you're actually playing, it doesn't you know, you know it doesn't really affect you too much. It, it's more probably the spectators that see a little bit more of a discrepancy between you know the, the decisions. But uh, I think it's a great idea. Go back to the one ref, let him make the decisions, um, and then everyone can just get on with it. Absolutely. And one more rule-based uh, question. Obviously, last year and the year before saw the implementation of the bunker being able to. Um, disallow a try that's already been, you know, given to like review it sort of thing without it having to go to the bunker. What are your thoughts on that? And do you think it works? Well, you know, I think the more eyes they have on things, the more potential mistakes you can make. Um, You know, I I think if a ref makes a decision on the field, I think it should stay. Stick, yeah. Yeah, I think it should stick. Unless it's like a blatant forward pass or something that's literally even someone in another country that doesn't know the sport could pick it up, I think stick with the ref. Yeah, I think so. I mean, otherwise they're slowing all these frames down to the... Literal second. And, you know, sometimes it can look like it when it's not. Um, But to answer your question, I think if the if the ref's there and close enough, he should be able to make a decision, and that decision's fine. Absolutely agreed. And honestly, if a referee can't make a decision and they're right in front of the play or like two, three steps away from the play, but being able to see it, um, revoke the ref's license or drop him down a reserve grade for a few weeks. Sort of in my as in if they make the wrong call and it's an obviously wrong call, yeah, yeah, drop him to reserve Absolutely. grade for a few weeks. Absolutely, I mean, that's what they're there to do. They're there to make decisions. Absolutely. And I've got two last questions for you. First one is, what are three life lessons you've learned that you wish you knew when you were younger? Three life lessons I've learned. Mm. Well, ones that I can sort of, I don't know, think about that I can relate to my kids and what I'm trying to get them to do these days. Yep. (laughs) That I was probably in their shoes thinking the same thing is – Never to be late is one. Mm-hmm. That's one you, you learn a little bit later in life. Never to be late. Always in my opinion, them. if you're on time, you're late. Yeah, exactly. Or always be early. Yep. <laughs> always tell the truth, which when you're a kid, you probably don't know the reason of or the meaning of. Um, and the last one is listen to your parents. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> listen to your parents because you know you always you see it told you know we didn't come down in the last year we've been around 
and a lot longer than you. And when you're a bit younger, you don't really believe them or <laughs> you're like, oh, logic, yeah. logic in that. But um, yeah, and now now after three kids of my own, I can definitely, you know, I'll definitely understand why they said the things they said. That's fair enough. And my last question is, what's next for Ashley Harrison? Yeah, so I've obviously been retired for, for a fair while now. And, um, yeah, I've moved into the general insurance space. So I've got a general insurance business, which I'm partners in on the Gold Coast, called Lee Insurance, which you'll see the big truck behind me with the, with yep. the label on it. So, so yeah, that's my that's my uh, Monday to Friday gig and a long-term play for me. And that definitely keeps me out of trouble, especially – uh, in recent times, we've had a lot of weather events in Queensland where we're dealing with a lot of claims stuff, um, which is good. I mean, that's that's our job. And, uh, yeah, so that's what's next for me. And I'm hoping to be uh, uh, yeah, pushing out the general insurance for, for a long time to come. Fair enough. Um, that sounds like, obviously, you've transitioned well into retirement. But, obviously, that begs the question, how was transitioning the first 18 months into retirement? Yeah, it's pretty tough cj to be honest i mean you know it's it's one of those things where you're sort of on a on an opposite trajectory to to most of your your friends and and and, and mates i mean they've they've sort of built their business or built their profile over over time where when you're coming from professional sport you get there fairly quick and and then you go sort of go back to square one again and, and sort of reinvent yourself i suppose so um you know i was lucky enough i i did my degree while I was playing footy, which I had a little something to to lean back on, but it still doesn't prepare you really for for let's say the real life. Okay, and um, what what do you think yeah. maybe the NRL or the RLPA could do or could implement to um, help that transition sort of thing? Yeah, you know what well, I, I think they do everything they can. I mean, everything's there on offer for for any player to take up or to or to pursue. I mean. Um, there's not much more I think our NRLPA can do or the NRL. Um, they've definitely got the structures in place to help the players out as much as they can. Um, but there's, I suppose, no substitute than just living it. Yeah. Um, and I think everyone deals with it in different ways and gets different opportunities. Um, so it's just a matter of you know being as best prepared as you can be. Um, and just getting out there and living it and, and dealing with it the best you can and and to know there is people out there that you can talk to. I mean, um, you know, it's it's definitely not one of those things that you have to go it alone. There's there's plenty of avenues and and, and different things that you can do to to help you in that transition period, that's for sure. Fair enough. And I've just sort of two fun sort of questions to end it on. First one is who was the biggest pest on the field going up against when you were playing? <laughs> Yeah, oh, there's a few. Um, I, I wouldn't say pest, but I'd, I'd say competitor. Um, <laughs> I'd say like, like Michael Ennis was a, a competitor, and always. I've been told to... that by a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so Mick, yeah, probably Michael Ennis. I mean, great guy, but on the field, he, he could have been a, <laughs> a bit of a pest. But um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd substitute the word pest for for competitor. Gotcha. Like he just would, he just wanted to win and would do anything to win, sort of thing. Like in the rules, of course. Yeah, definitely. So it was always within the rules. <laughs> Fair enough. And um, obviously, the, the next question and final question is a pest related question again. But who was the biggest pest that you played with? 
Use pestle plate with. Um, yeah. I'll say, could I, could I, I'll, I'll do another substitute and I'll substitute okay. this one for Cheeky. Okay. And um, this guy, we, we come through the Broncos pretty much together and he nonstop laughs all the time. And um, yeah, fun to be around. So Sean Berrigan. Yeah. Oh. Barry was a, a cheeky unit. It was um, always good to be around. He could always guarantee a laugh. Oh, honestly, what's funny about that is the other day I was going through images and stuff to make promos and whatnot, and there was a photo of him, and I think it was Ty Williams or someone in the Queensland squad photo. They both put their fists on each other's knees, and Sean's looking at him like, so that absolutely stacks up with what I saw in the image with what you were saying. That's that's awesome. Um, That about wraps up the episode and interview. Thank you so, so very much for coming on the podcast, Ashley. I very much appreciate it. And honestly, take care and have a good, you know, rest of your uh, financing future. No worries. So, yeah, thanks for having us on. And, um, yeah, give us a hoi if you need me in the future. Will do.